Are you ready to party? Let's go. Well, welcome. Mike McMahon, how you doing? Welcome to Let's Go Podcast. I'm great. Thanks for having me. That was my first official like opener that I've done, so sorry I was a little... You did really good. I was a little nervous on that one. That was perfect. <laughs> but uh, honestly, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, I know we got a lot to talk about. Um, look forward to kind of getting to know you and having the opportunity for you to let people get to know you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you were just saying that you were playing softball all day. I was. Right. Yeah. Is it, now, at what point in life would does that sound like that would be an exhausting day, right? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like going back, and I'm saying this because I played softball for a long time. I played baseball growing up, and that took me to a certain limit. And then it was like as soon as I could transition to softball, I was all about it. So I played a lot of tournaments and stuff, but it was like as the years went on, all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, I'm, I'm sore for days afterwards. Yeah, I, I was totally gassed. You know, I was like running around third base into home. I kept thinking like, oh, my legs are about to give out, you know. <laughs> but I, I can't. I got my I got my little boys watching me play and, you know, and it's just like. You're like, don't mess up. Oh, please don't, don't trip. Up. Please don't trip, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm 45. So. Well, you I, look young, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be 46 this year. And I came on I came on as a uh, as a police officer at 31. Okay. So. Dude, so actually, we'll start back. Just a little background yeah. about yourself. Where are you from? Grow up? Uh, up? I was born and raised in Boston. Uh, actually, a city right outside of Boston. Okay. Uh, so born and raised there. Um, went to college out there. Got my bachelor's in criminal justice. I've always wanted to be a police officer. Uh, for the longest time, I had multiple cops on my street. And, you know, it was a really respected thing. When you were growing up in, in Boston, you were either, you know, one of three things, a teacher, a cop, or a criminal. You know? I was going to say, like, the only thing I know about Boston is from, like, the movie The Town. Yeah. Right? When they're like, oh, Southie or whatever. It's a great movie. Yeah, right? it underrated. really is. Yeah. <laughs> Very underrated. I loved it. Yeah. But, uh, and the accents are on point. Right? Yeah. Does everyone sound like that over there? You know, uh, it's funny. It, people always say, like, well, you don't sound like you're from Boston. But I've been out here for 14 years, and, um, you know, I still tend to think in that accent, you know, but if I start to get upset or if I'm maybe drinking one too many oat sodas, it'll start coming out, you know. An oat soda? Yeah. As you say, ka? Yeah, yeah. My, hey, get in the ka. Well, you know, it's like, you know, the ka or the, uh, you know, we're going to the packy, which is the, the liquor store. Oh, you know, okay. Um, things of that nature. It's just, it'll start coming out. My, I'll start just rolling my R's and, you know. I gotta, yeah, what would you say, an oat soda? Is that what you call it? Yeah. All right. Well, we don't have any oat sodas out yeah. tonight, so maybe we'll, we'll hold back the... Uh, <laughs> The Boston uh, yeah. accent. But uh, so you, you came out to California in pursuit of law enforcement? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, so I had been I had been trying since graduating. I, you know, like I said, I'm 45. So I graduated college in 1998. And from 98 until 08, I was, I was trying to be a cop back east. And, you know, the, the classes, you know, much I'm, I'm sure like the fire academy, it's really competitive out there. Yeah. And they're really small. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like out here where there's one every month. So, um, I tried for 10 years, you know, uh, nine 11, I went and, I went and tried out for NYPD. I tried out for FD and that was, that was the hardest PFQ I've ever taken in my life. Oh, really? You know? NYFD's PFQ was no joke. And, uh, for people who are listening, what does PFQ stand for? Uh, physical fitness qualification, something okay. like that. 
Um, but their physical fitness test was no joke at all. Um, and so I, I didn't get a call back, but it, you know, I kept on the path, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a police officer. So I just kept at it. And I have a, I have a cousin out here, um, who's, who's on the LAPD and, and he's like, Hey man, why don't you just, you know, throw your name in the hat and see if it, and see if anything happens. So I did, they gave me a call and said, Hey, can you be out here in three weeks? Sure. Okay. So I gave my two weeks notice. Uh, I was working at a district attorney's office and I threw everything I had into the back of my car and I lived in a motel in uh, Lawndale for a couple of weeks <laughs> before okay. the academy started. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, so that's, uh, so you were all in on becoming a police officer. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I know that the, I know that that time period, I felt like, like, uh, because I started like early 2000s and up first getting hired on with the department in 2005, mm-hmm. maybe. But I'd taken tests for a couple of years. And I just remember like, you know, going, you know, you put an application in and it's like, yeah, there's 5,000 people and we're hiring 40, yeah. you know. And you're like, geez, man, how am I going to make it? And I just feel like now a little bit, it's, it's a lot less. You know, as far as I know that the, I mean, there's a lot of contributing factors to that, but I just feel like as far as the, um, you know, like the amount of people applying for positions versus how many they're taking, like it's a lot closer, like your odds right now. And I, I'm not sure if it translates to the police department, but I know with, with uh, fire specifically, right now is a good time to try to get hired as a firefighter. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I have so many, I have so many opinions as to the, how policing has come full circle in the last 10, 10 or 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. It's really the face of policing in America. I think it's changed because the narrative of, you know, the police they, they, they paint, they tend to paint the police in this giant, giant brushstroke that all police are bastards and, you know, and, and, um, and the police will, you know, they'll kill you in an instant. And, you know, they really paint us in this bad light. So I think what it's doing is it's creating this air where truly qualified men and women, um, who are able to think for themselves are looking at what's happening in America. And they're saying, wait a minute, what, you know, I have a passion to do this, but why do I want to do it? Right. So they're going and finding other employment and that leaves sort of like the mid tiers to the lower tier people that normally may or may not have made it. And so I think it's creating a lot of um, it's creating a lot of issues within policing as a whole, because the, the, the people who may or may not deserve to be there are there now because the truly top candidates are moving on to other things because they see the writing on the wall. So basically like in a nutshell that the kind of the public narrative and then how, you know, even the government to a certain extent talks about the police department. I mean, like let's, let's call it what it is over the last couple of years, the defunding the police, the extraordinary, I mean, mean, let's be real, like over years, like, you know, there's always been like a stigma towards cops sometimes as far as like, you know, the doing bad things or whatever. And I don't mean like everybody, like I'd say like, I don't know how to, how to really address this correctly, but like there are that stigma sometimes. I think that like if the lay person had no idea like who a police officer was or that if they didn't know anybody personally, they would just turn on a movie and they'd be like, oh, these guys are crooked or these guys are whatever, yeah. you know? And it's unfortunate because it's like, that's not the real world, you know? And so I can only imagine having worked in a lot, you know, where you work in law enforcement and dealing with that over the years, and especially in the last couple of years has been 
sure pretty gnarly, um, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, but that's a good point that you bring up as far as you know, new candidates and people wanting to get involved in law enforcement because it's like, yeah, if you had some top tier people that wanted to be hired and do, you know, whether it's driven by community service or whatever their drive is to get involved in that, probably detours a lot of people because they're like, I don't want to, you know, jump into that and automatically be labeled, you know, or thinking, you know, the lay person's going to think, oh, this guy's a piece of shit or something, you know, it's just not fair, you know, so I could, I could see that being, uh, being a problem. And, uh, what an interesting, you know, cause I mean, that's like, that's the next level, right? Is that like, okay, well, if we're going to, let's say there's, you know, 10% of the top candidates that normally would have tried to become a law or get involved in law enforcement. Now we're like, I ain't dealing with that shit. Yeah. You know? And so now they, they still need to hire, they still need police officers. So what do they do? They either drop, you know, qualifications or change things around to make, the application process still, you know, open and get people to come in. So you're actually maybe getting less qualified personnel, you know? Right. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. It, 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 it tends to become prob- problematic because, you know, there is that, that hyper focused laser on us. And when you're a 21, 22, 23 year old, uh, uh, newly minted police officer, but you have zero life experience, that is a a glaring that's the, i mean that just shows up on your face every single day you have nothing if you're you're if you're a a brand new police officer and you're still living at home mom and dad are paying for your 2017 Camaro and you know you're worried about if you can go drinking uh this weekend and if your mom's going to get mad if you come home too late you have no business right i mean i i <laughs> i mean but it it does come into play i mean of course of course, you're going to learn that stuff on the job. But if you haven't ever suffered, I mean, a lot of a lot of our job is like it, you're weighing consequences, right? If I go, if I if I do this during a call, well, it translates to this. And you know, for a lot of people that haven't ever had to, especially out here in LA, you know, if you've never had to decide on, well, do I pay the electricity or do I pay my car, right? I mean, a lot of these guys don't understand that, and it's very static. Well, the book says that I have to do it this way, and that's the way they do it. Right. You know, we used to be able to operate within the spirit of the law. You know, you had the letter of the law, you had the spirit of the law, and you could make decisions on your own. But now they're getting away. You know, so much of policing now is more of a like a decision tree. You yeah. know, police officers are are sort of being trained in the academy. You know, if this happens, move down to this. And if that happens, yes or no, you move over here. And that's how they're handling problems. And that's how a lot of supervisors are handling problems now. You know, the independent thinker is sort of becoming a dinosaur. Yeah. And I, so I'm not, I'm not in law, law enforcement. So anything that I say, like, no. if, I, if I'm completely off kilter, please just tell me. And uh, it's because I've never worked as a police officer. Um, you know, I, I see what you're saying with that, though, as far as, from upper management and as far as how they handle things with, you know, with, uh, with their, I don't want to say subordinates, but you know what I mean? People that work under them is that if it's going more now to everything, which I agree to a certain extent that there should be law that is enforced and you were under, you work under a set of guidelines, right? but those guidelines are a large gray area. And I think that that's, it's really easy 
especially someone not coming from law enforcement or that or any kind of public service for that matter, and you just see like, oh, cop shot so and so. Oh, it happened again. Right. You know, and I'm not saying that there isn't situations where the cop is wrong. Right. You know, because that's like with anything. You know, and I'm not, I, I'm not like saying it's not important because I think striving for excellence is for, for whatever job you do and how you live your life should be a game plan that we all implement personally. Mm-hmm. But everyone seems to discredit something when that happens. When the reality is, is that like that is seconds of a decision point that's going to change your life or the other person's life, and then that that's your job. You know, when, you know, they're, they're, everyone seems to be quick about like, oh, the cops killed so-and-so, this or this. But then it's like, well, that cop got shot when he was pulling somebody over. That cop got killed. You know, this person ran up on a police officer sitting in his car doing paperwork, shot him in the head. Right. Doesn't seem to stick ever as much. Right. You know, and it's unfortunate because it's like, I think we can collectively say all of it is not good. Right. You know, it's right. like, and then how do we strive to get to that better spot? You know, and it's like, I, I personally... I disagreed with the whole defund the police thing, and I'm pretty adamant to talk about that. Like, I think that that's ridiculous. In fact, I believe that maybe we need more funding for police to get either better training, better critical stress debriefing. You know, I mean, long, you know, I mean, look, people that have a 10 year career in law enforcement, and like I'm coming from the fire department side of it. You see a lot of messed up things that can mess with your head late as, sure. as life goes on, you know, and we can talk about that in a second, but. You know, so to, to think, it's like, yeah, we need to have everyone is held up to a certain standard. Do I trust when I call 911 because of X, Y, and Z and I need the police department to show up to my house? Do I trust that those people are going to do the best that they can do? Yeah. Does it mean that sometimes it isn't? Yes. Does it mean that they do? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we live in this kind of variable society and it's really easy to cast judgment when like... You know, you hear a couple of things on the news and then next thing you know, it's like everyone's talking about how shitty the police department is. And then I just, I couldn't disagree more, right. you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that it happens that way, but you know, it's like, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about the daily interactions that, that, that police officers in America have, you know, there's somewhere south of 900,000 police officers nationwide mm-hmm. in a population of over 320 million. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of cops per person. That's not right. enough. And so, you know, what the media likes to do is they'll focus in on that one little tiny variable of all, you know, of all of the calls handled per day, per state, per city, per town by police officers, they'll hype, they'll, they'll focus in on that one, right? right? And, and they'll spin it out of control, right? And then all of a sudden it, it just takes, it takes hold and it, and, and it just grows tentacles and spreads across America. That's what happens to us because, and especially with the LAPD, we're the world's most famous police force, right? Outside of maybe NYPD. Right. But people look to us. We set precedent, whether it's good or bad, you know, for the for the actions that we have. You know, most the LAPD actually has a um, a, a tighter a tighter set of rules that we that we're governed by than than any other federal agency. Oh, really? Right. So we are we are really ratcheted down, and and we're on we're we're set on point about the things that we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's um. It's a shame. It's a shame that, that, that the good things that we do is so overshadowed by one mishap, right? In 14 years, I have never met a police officer that, you know what? I'm going to go out and kill somebody today. I'm going to go out and hurt somebody 
no, that just doesn't happen. Right. right? I feel like if that, if that was said, like, I mean, I can't speak to 60 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what that mentality is like. I, I wasn't around for that time, but well, I feel like if that, if there's somebody like that today and it wasn't like a group of people who are like, you know, like the problem child of the department or whatever, they, they would get called out in a second. You'd absolutely. Be like, dude, you're sitting here saying you're going to go F somebody up or, right. you know what I mean? I just don't feel like that's how, I mean, I don't know. I've, we work hand in hand with the police officers. You know what I mean? Like I, I've never gotten that vibe, you know, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist because I know there's always the catch all, right? Like you can sit there and be like, you said that you've never been around anybody and I'm, you know, and as I can say the same, you know, for right. being in public service for 15 years, you know, I've never been in a situation where I'm like, Oh, this guy's purposely doing something wrong. Right. Ever. But you know, but then when you try to talk to, you know, someone who's maybe really against the police department, you know, or they have their, feelings about it whatnot and you try to explain that to them they don't they don't take into consideration anything you're telling them no you know it's just like well things used to be this way or this is a certain you know and it's like dude come on man like are we gonna all move forward together or you know are we gonna only hold what makes things like viable for a narrative that you're trying to sell yeah i mean uh, one of the i think one of the, the, the people see us as a paramil- paramilitary organization we are set up you know, we have rank, we have file, we have a hierarchy, and they see us as a paramilitary sort of um, um, occupying force, I guess, in some circumstances. But to break someone's cognitive dissonance that they've that they've developed over a, a long period of time, just using only sort of cherry picked situations. Yeah. Most people, if they, if most people that are against the police, in my opinion, if they actually saw what we did on a daily basis, if they were able to open their eyes and, and you know, not judge it, I, I think everyone's opinion would change, you know, because what are we? We're, we're moms and dads, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, right? We're just people, but we answer a higher calling, much like the fire department, you know? When we come on this job, we raise our right hand, we swear an oath of allegiance to the United States Constitution, and in California, we also swear on to the Constitution of, of California. Yeah. And so we, we strive every day to abide by that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and people who answer the call to be um, first responders, I mean, every day, that is our life. You know, we don't just turn it off. You know, we go home and we're still first responders, you know, we go, we, 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 the drive to work, we're still the first responders. So, um, I think it, it's just, it's a narrative, especially in Los Angeles area that they like to paint us in, in the negative light, uh, because it, it drives ratings. That's, yeah, that's an unfortunate truth, I think. And it's, um, it's too bad because it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we can go down a crazy rabbit hole with this one, but I know, love rabbit what, holes. <laughs> but what I will, what I will say that is, uh, me too, actually really. We, do we all do. We love yeah, conspiracy I was like, theories. I'm not going to bullshit with you. Holes. I was like, I left my <laughs> tinfoil hat outside, but, um, <laughs> no, there was, uh, while you were talking about this, I, it reminded me of watching a video. I believe, do you know who Charlemagne the God is? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a personality, I think he's just podcasting and had mm-hmm. some radio stuff. He's like really popular actually. Um, just after, I think it was after, is it Derek Chauvin was convicted? You know, with the everything that's been going on and with the defunding the police and everything, he did a police training deal where I don't know if he was using sim rounds or maybe it was a VR setup or how, however it was, but the video was like basically got to 
pretend to be a police officer and he had to come up to it was either a vehicle or a house or whatever and to be able to disseminate you know um a threat from uh like a neutral party right right and this dude got it wrong like every time he's just shooting all the wrong people and it was interesting because and that's not there's tons of videos like that but it was like this is like celebrity coming out of his comfort zone, whether he was for or against the police, he was agreeing to do this to like shed some light on like, look, this is how hard the job is. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, we've, I mean, I watch all those videos of, you know, stuff going wrong. And uh, there was one not too long ago where uh, they called, someone called them to the house and the guy was waiting at the door. And as he walked up, the guy pulled out a gun and started shooting right at the cop as yeah. he was walking up to the door. Otherwise just standing there, not looking, you know, like a threat really. And the cop was kind of cruising up like, Hey, sir, did you call? And he's like, Poof started shooting at him right and it's like those those put things in perspective you know and i was like i hope everyone sees that kind of stuff just to maybe not change your mind completely but at least start it in a different direction as far as being like damn that's that is a crazy environment to live in because you know it's like look the other day with the fire department was like people generally call us for help and want us there you know what I mean? Yeah. So like having, and then even then not liking that we show up, right? But with the police, you know, it's like you guys are constantly stepping into these extraordinarily uncomfortable scenarios, and then you have to make life and death decisions <clears throat> on a quick second, and sometimes that's because you follow the guideline like you were talking about earlier, or the real world where your past experience, your life experience, your understanding of people in general paints you in a better position to be like, okay, I know this is going to this is going somewhere south or, you know, right. taking that quick step. And it's I don't think there's there's a I don't think that there's like a right and wrong answer to it. Like there's no like, hey, how do we make this better? It's like, well, we people need to get experience. You know, people need to have like either better understanding of, you know, uh, like IDing things while they're happening or maybe preemptively thinking something bad's going to happen constantly so you're not like as reactionary. But then at the end of the day, it's like you have no idea what we're doing. You know what I mean? Or what, right. what, what someone else is doing. So I don't know. When I see that kind of stuff, it just it kind of floors me a little bit because I, I really appreciate what you guys do. And look, let's be real. Like I said, not everyone's awesome. There's shit bags in every profession. Yeah, That's police, fire, doctors, CDC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one. We're going to go into that in a minute. I just, I know we were talking about the police department right now. No, but, but uh, you know, it, it's true though, because, um, you know, I mean, it's even in, even in fire, you know, every day is an on the job training experience, right? I mean, the, the, the amount of information that I've forgotten over the last 14 years, I couldn't even fathom, but every day you learn something new and you take that and you in, in, incorporate it into who you are as a police officer, um, you know, there's a core value that the LAPD preaches and it's always quality uh, or uh, uh, quality through continuous improvement. Yeah. Right. And that's something that we really live by. You know, we're always striving to be better, you know, and, and like I alluded to earlier, whether it's something good or something bad happened, we're always learning from our experiences on the job. Uh, 95% of your efficiency of whatever profession that you're doing, at least in public work type stuff like this, I think it's all on, it's on the job. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, when you go through an academy, like I'm speaking for the fire side of it, but yeah, you go through the academy, you know, the basics, you know, things that you're supposed to be looking for that mm-hmm. may look completely different in the real world or being a paramedic and that kind of, you know what I mean? Like analyzing people, being able to make judgment calls or like anticipating certain things because, right. you know, not because the book said it, because it didn't, 
but now I've seen this, you know, a thousand times and I know what this looks like. I'm going to go this way with it. Or I've been in a building that's looked like this a handful of times and I'm like, okay, you know, we're in a bad spot. We need to get out. Exactly. Right. And I can only imagine it's the same thing as being a police officer. Yeah. You know, you're constantly in a state of learning and that's, I totally agree with that. It's like, yeah, I can't recite every definition from the textbook that they, that they force in your head during the academy, but I learn something new every day. Yeah, you every know, day. Yeah. It's like, and a lot of our, a lot of our skills are perishable, right? Yeah. So, you know, if I, if I, if I arrest a guy that has a gun, but I haven't arrested a guy with a gun in, you know, four months, I'm not going to remember how to do that stuff. You know, right. it's all perishable skills on this job, um, and and you know, and you know, at at some point, the the hair on the back of your neck starts to stand up, and your butthole puckers because you're like, oh Jesus, this is a really narrow hallway, and I got to go to the very end door. You know, I mean, they call that the fatal funnel, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, I don't want to be stuck in this hallway. You know, yeah. did I bring the right equipment? Did I bring my do I do I bring the taser? Do I bring the the, the beanbag? Do I bring the forty millimeter uh, you know foam launcher? What's the situation? It's like, whew, take a minute, step back. You've been here before. Here's what we do, yeah. right? And so I think, especially in our profession, you know, we all lean on each other. We all have a sixth sense of humor. We're all brothers and sisters, but we all lean on each other, you know? And I think, I, I know for a fact it's the same way with, with, yeah, with FD. Especially, especially with the sixth sense of humor. Yeah. Well, it, uh, when you see what that, we see every day. You yeah, know, people, morbidity, yeah. Yeah, when people look at us on the outside and like, well, what the F are they laughing at? You know, we laugh because it prevents us from crying, you know, and it's not something that we, we are able to bring home. I mean, thankfully, a lot of us aren't. We don't bring it home. But it's preferred not to. Yeah. Because that's where stuff gets really tricky. Right. But that's, that's what we were talking about earlier was saying, like, you know, being on for that long. And after seeing, you know, just a lot of um, just sadness. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way I could put it is, that, you know, eventually things stick a little bit. But part of the diffusing process is talking about it with your mm -hmm. crew members or whomever. And sometimes, yeah, it's like, look, I hate to say it, but it might come out a little bit morbid, but yeah. I'll be honest with you. That sometimes is the best way to, to deal with it. I'm not saying it's the only way to deal with it, right. you know, depending on how intense it was, but sometimes that banter, which, uh, again, like the lay person's going to be like, Oh, those guys are assholes or I can't believe they talk about something like, and just act like they don't care. It's a coping but, mechanism. <laughs> it definitely isn't because we don't yeah. care. Right. Or isn't because of that. I'll, I, I assure you. And that, you know, it just to interrupt you real quick. I mean, most people don't understand the people that we interact with every day, we see them at the worst day of their lives. Yeah. Right. And people don't understand that. It's typically the worst day of their lives when they need to call us, whether it's you or whether it's me. And people don't understand that. Well, it's you know? never because they want to just say what's up. Yeah. Let me hey, buy you some coffee. Hey, we happen to grill some burgers for you all. Right. Why don't you come in the back here? Uh, you know, take, take your feet up for a second. <laughs> hey, these lazy boys just fell yet. off the back of a truck. Do you guys want them? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah no, that's uh, <laughs> it definitely doesn't exist. And that's, and that's the thing too. And I think that that's why it's so important to, um, I try to be really open with people like with this job and, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, everyone, everyone always asks like, Oh, what's the worst thing you've seen? And be like, I can tell you like the worst 40 things that I've seen. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, how many bad, scary movies have you seen in the last five years? I was like, there's probably a handful of things that I can equate to. I've seen something along those lines. Yep. Except for the alien abduction stuff. Right. Not yet. That's coming, I feel like. So, but, I mean, you know, like how many how many times you've responded to a fatal a fatal traffic accident? A lot. Right. Yeah. right? And that's, that's hard, especially when children are involved. Yeah. You know, um, 
you know, I, I've, I've actually worked a, a, a juvenile investigative role where I've, I've investigated physical and sexual assaults against children. Oh my gosh. That is hard. You know, there's no, there's no getting around it. That is really difficult, but I'll be honest with you. That is the most rewarding part of my 14 year career is when I put people in jail for hurting kids. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that hands down, that's, that's the best thing I've ever done on this job. That is uh well, thank you for putting the time in with that yeah. because uh, I, I don't, I don't know how people do that position because the amount of information that you have to disseminate mm-hmm. and like abuse cases, pictures, just torture, you know, of kids. Right. You know, and it's like, but people have to investigate and build a case and you're going to read all that twisted shit. Yep. And, but, you know, in hopes that, that what you can bring to the table puts this person away for a long time, if not forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so thank you so yeah. much for yep. doing that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's that, Those are the, anything kid related are like the only thing that like gets to me, you know? And I mean, I feel like I'm not that I'm unique. I think that's pretty general. Well, yeah. Most people in this industry, but in the sad part is, is that it still happens. It's still, and it doesn't, it's not going to end, Yeah, you know? And, but the fact that there are people out there that are trying to make a difference, like, you know, like yourself yeah. and taking on those positions. I mean, hats off to you, you know, I, yeah, that's, that's difficult. But, so we're talking about the police department and everything. So you, how long had you been on with LA City? Uh, 14 years. I actually just cel- – well, I, I always say I, I just celebrated, but <laughs> it's not really a celebration. So uh, this past March was my 14-year anniversary. 14 years. Well, I mean, congratulations for, for being in uh, that long. And, uh, you know, just so everyone's aware of kind of what's going on, you want to talk a little bit about – uh, what what happened to you with that? Yeah, so um, so I've been um, off work since November third of twenty twenty one. That was the day that uh, I was served with uh, a forty hour forty eight hour notice to comply with the LA City's uh, ordinance one eighty seven one thirty four that required all employees to be vaccinated. Um, on that day, I. I you know, I, I got called into the captain's office. I was presented with a choice uh, to either sign the paper to allow them to deduct um, about almost $600 a month out of my paycheck. It was it, it, every city employee at that time was required to take eight PCR tests at a cost of $65 per test. You had to pay for them? They wanted us to pay for them. Yeah. And so. Um, you know, I said, no, I, w- I wasn't going to do it. No. So the other, the only other option in, you know, not agreeing to sign the, the order of the chief was they were going to move me to termination proceedings. And so, um, you know, fast forward, uh, less than a week, they served me with a termination hearing, uh, the termination papers, uh, which is called a board of rights. So they sent me to a board of rights and the chief of police's recommendation was termination. So, um, you know, I haven't worked since November 3rd, and it's now, what, April? Today's April 2nd. So uh, I've gone through five days total so far of testimony in, in my board of rights, which is a, a essentially set up like a tribunal, where three civilian attorneys who are um, essentially employees of the LAPD police commission um, are sitting in judgment of me. So I'm acting as defendant and the in the department itself is acting as prosecutor. Really? 
So, okay. So let's, let's backtrack this for just a second. So you were served this, you said November of 2021. So essentially you had been working for, because uh, it was, that was probably like about a year. It was fully, about, roughly yeah, about when COVID first 20 started. months or so. Right. So you'd, uh, you'd been in the game for a minute mm-hmm. without, uh, this was before the vaccine existed. Right. Leading, yeah. Leading up, because yeah. this is all where it led up to, because once it was out, they started adopting the policies right. following the... So March of 2020 is is right around when when all this insanity started officially. Yeah. And so from March 2020 up until November 2021, I was working, you know, on the front lines, quote unquote, as, as they like to put it, uh, every single day, yeah. you know, um, no PPE. Um, you know, it's funny. I, uh, during my hearing, I had actually addressed the fact that the LAPD's, uh, PPEs that they, that they passed out to us was, uh, leather gardening gloves and, uh, the, the chemistry goggles, the ones with the, the holes on the side. Yeah. You know, that was their PPE for us. Oh, okay. You know, uh, super wow. scientific. Yeah. They're you like, know? hold your breath when you walk in the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just, just do like Garcetti, just hold your breath. Oh, and, God. um, so it's cool. I was holding my breath, right? When he yeah. took the picture with uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, if I'm afraid of something, I'm going to educate myself as much as possible on it. And, you know, without hesitation, I, of course, I was afraid of, of COVID at the very beginning, you know? Um, but once you start seeing the fact that the, the, the videos and the photos that are coming out of China of the people falling down and, and, and puking blood and, you know, all this other stuff, it wasn't happening here. I work Skid Row, right? You know, no one in Skid Row was keeling over and vomiting blood and having, you know, convulsions and um, you just weren't seeing it. So I started to educate myself on, on what this virus was and, you know, um, the science behind the masking and all this other stuff. And I, you know, it, after a short while, I was like, well, what am I, I'm not afraid of this, you know, because at that time it was, it was already known that it had a very high survivability rate at that time. It was like 99.99%. And so I said, what am I getting all worked up for? That's to me, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, but I started as a pretty severe flu. Right. And I had already had that in January of 2020, Mm-hmm. Um, after I had, uh, I had some surgeries and I got super sick right away and it lasted about a week and a half, two weeks. I felt the worst that I ever felt, but I recovered. So, you know, I just set forth from there and like, well, I don't agree with what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I mean, that opinion is not for everybody, you know? It, no, but, I, but I, but well, I would more so share your opinion. Right. Uh, as it's, uh, at least how I feel personally about it. Again, not a doctor. Right. So I'm not claiming to be, uh, but I, I did do a lot of research on it as well. And, you know, and I just, not just coming on a dispute, whether, it, you know, what's true, what's not true and all that stuff. Yeah. Just at the end of the day, the, the thing that I felt was the most interesting layout for a lot of agencies in the public worker realm is that, you know, I'm sure like yourself, and I'm not trying to speak for you or anything, but like. I didn't take days off because I was worried about coming in. I didn't not work the force. I didn't not do anything and everything the department asked of me mm-hmm. to make sure that we provide a service that that I love to do and that I devoted my life to do, which I'm, you know, I'm sure it's the same way. Yeah. 
And for that to reach a point where it was like, okay, so now there's a vaccine, which is great. Good. Okay. Awesome. There's a vaccine. So everyone who's worried about it, take it. You know what I mean? Like, like a, that's like, that's a big conundrum with all this. And like, I know that I know there's different sides of it and whether the vaccine's safe or not safe and stuff. I don't, I don't read too much into that because I feel like at the end of the day, if you want to protect yourself, do whatever it is to protect yourself. But I should also have that right in that where if I'm doing my own research and I believe that I'll be okay, not to mention, dude, I got it like probably right before it actually came out because I got super sick as mm-hmm. well. And I thought, damn, it's the craziest flu I've ever had. Yep. Last a couple of days, felt like shit. I didn't lose my taste or smell. But, you know, anyway, so I was just like, well, I probably already had it. So that's good because up until about two years ago, <laughs> if you got it, you know, got a virus and then, you know, you actually build your own antibodies. And that was like, which actually there was a video of Fauci that just came out where yeah, he was talking yeah. about that exact reason with the flu saying the best thing you can do is get the flu. Well, if she had, she had, if she had the <laughs> flu for 14 days, she shouldn't get vaccinated. Yeah. Like, you know? She doesn't need it. She yeah. has the best thing, which apparently he forgot. I don't know. But, uh, you know, and again, like I'm not a virologist, so I can't say that what works in the same manners, but Either way, right? It's like you work in that atmosphere. You, you don't, you know, it's like, especially like you said, like in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, shit, I wonder, yeah. <laughs> wonder how this is going to go. You hear about people getting it. You, you know, some had, some didn't. Some, you know, families in the hospital for a long period of time or even worse, like people die, you know, the stuff. So it's like, it's like, ah, this is crazy. And then after a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, it's like numbers are coming out. And it's like, yeah, there's a whole lot of people that are getting it. And it's not the same as far as percentages-wise for survivability being right. so high, especially in different age categories. Do you have comorbidities, blah, 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 blah. But that's not how it got rolled out. Mm-hmm. It's all of a sudden, it was like, not to mention, which is kind of ironic, because for as much as the media shit on Trump, it was like, you fast-track this vaccine as much as possible, right, to try to get in. Once he's out of office, they get, you know, they get... Or not, it kind of happened right as he was, the yeah. uh, administration was ending. But then it was like, this is it. This is what everyone has to do. Right. You know, I mean, and if it, you remember, though, Biden and Harris were saying, oh, if, if Donald Trump is, Trump is touting this vaccine, we're not going to get it. And they're advising all of their Democratic people not to get it as well. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was like a laundry list of prominent uh, Democratic figures right. uh, talking about how they're not going to do it if Trump says, OK, Trump's out of office, Biden's in office. And I was like, everyone's got to do it. It's only I mean, shit, Rachel Maddow was on television saying yeah. the only thing you could do to protect yourself and everyone else is get vaccinated. Well, which was once a conspiracy, now is common knowledge that just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't transmit it, doesn't mean you can't give it to anybody else or get it, right? Um, now, maybe, you know, I don't know the science part about it because I feel like they're like, oh, if I'm vaccinated, I got it, I survived, it did, it did work, right? It's like, okay, well, that'd be like me saying, like, I got it, I took monoclonal antibodies, I took ivermectin, I took a couple other things, and I was sick for like a day. Right. So it's good. It's like, what's anecdotal, right? Because they both are. There's right. just both your personal experience with it, you know? So I feel like it's like one of those things where it's really hard to, you know, it's like, well, yeah, is it right or wrong? That's why it's like my overall perspective on this is that do what you want to do, you know? But the problem is now with, you know, especially in your circumstance where it's like employers are making it a mandate, right? you know, and they're, they're taking good employees that have committed their lives to the, to their craft. Right. And then they're like, so if you don't get vaccinated, you're out. Yeah. And that's it. You know, and yeah. that, that, that's the incredibly disappointing part is, you know, I have such a strong passion for policing 14 years in. I've never wanted to do another job so much in my life. And I, and I really, I'm, I'm grateful for every 
day that I've been able to be a police officer. And I hope that I still be, uh, that I'll still be able to be a police officer after this ordeal is over, but they are literally robbing me of my livelihood. Something that I've, that I've strived for my entire life, uh, over something that the science is disproving, right? You know, if you can't question science, it's propaganda, right? That's what it science, used to be. Yeah, I mean, science yeah. is always changing, right? right? And now we're discovering with the Pfizer documents, you know, 1,291 adverse effects that they won't talk about, yeah. right? And, you know, my big thing, my big aha was, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the filmmaker Mickey Willis. Very early on, he came out with, with the, um, the movie called Plandemic, uh, introduced everybody to, you know, uh, Dr. Judy, uh, Judy Mikovits and, and, and others like her. But after watching that, that movie, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and people like David E. Martin, um, just amazing people who just laid down and just did the outline of here's what's happening. And this is why. And so, you know, I started looking into other, uh, other things like, um, you know, Carrie Mullis, who was the inventor of the PCR test. And he says, this isn't meant to, to, dis- to, to discover anything. The PCR can't, test can't, you know, d- discern between uh, a, a live or a dead flu virus, right? And then you go into it and you learn that, well, Fauci and the CDC and the uh, NIAID are, are spinning the, the, the PCR test rates, you know, double of what they're supposed to. And if you spin them that fast, according to Kerry Mullis, you'll find anything you want to, Right. And right. so, you know, in July of last year, the, the, the CDC and the FDA, they took away the EUA status of, of the, uh, the PCR test. Yeah. So if that happened, because, and as they said, you know, the PCR test returns a, a false positive rate of over 95%. Wow. And it's like, boom, you know, like, why aren't people putting two and two together? Because if that returns a false positive 95%, well, doesn't that just negate the whole pandemic itself yeah but that's the problem that is the problem is that is that the the information that like like what you just said with the uh, the efficacy of the pcr tests like the cdc said to stop using them and that was about a year ago now i know that there's agencies that still use it because there's just it's either a rapid test or a pcr it's like what do you want to abide by is being more factual in whatever that it's picking up is hitting it as a positive I think that like the big picture of all this is that we as a society have been pushed in this direction so hard from the top down mm-hmm. that in order for it to like like to take a huge step back the top down has to admit that they're wrong. Right. And that doesn't happen. No. Right? That doesn't ever happen. No, I mean, they'll like, double down on this. Of course. You know? Of course, because, again, you don't want to say... If they come out... Look, if the pre, if Joe Biden can strum a sentence together tomorrow and comes out and be like, hey, look, we actually messed up on a lot of things. Right. You know? So, one, we're sorry. And two, we're going to try to set things straight in, in a better direction that's going to work for everybody and blah, 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 blah. There's no way. There's right. no way that would ever happen because right. that would, you would have to admit that you are incorrect, which I think is part of the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it, you know, it gets back to, you know, people like what Goebbels used to say of the Nazis. You know, if you, if you tell a lie enough times, it now becomes truth. But I also, I always think about Mark Twain who, who said, you know, it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them that they were fooled. And, well, and that's what America is. America's had the wool pulled over their eyes for the last two years. 
that's a uh, that's a good uh, that's a good quote from Mark Twain. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because I find myself like, if I ever and look, I'm not like a like I'm not like an aggressive person when it comes to talking about this kind of stuff. And I honestly like, I feel like you're never in a position to answer a question that's going to be a fast answer. Right. And I feel like when you have to do that, like because if someone asks you, "What do you hey, what do you think about the vaccines?" and I'd be like. <laughs> What are you like? Where are you going with this? Because well, I can tell you what I think, but in order to explain what I think, I was like, "Do you have like a half hour? Yeah, to really be able to talk about it?" Because, but then it's like I think it's just easy to dismiss somebody like that because they'll be like, "Oh, well, you didn't get your information from the CDC." They right. said I was watching CNN yesterday, and you know they have the death ticker yeah. on their freaking channel. Which is how do they how do they get that so quickly? I don't know. You know, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like so, it's like it's it's unfortunate because you know and there and. I'm not saying that, you know, whatever about people that feel that way. I just, I feel like it's just, it's tough because you automatically look incorrect to that person, right? And then they'll automatically dismiss you if it takes more than 30 seconds to explain your case. Right. Which in this, in this scenario, especially like watch, watch the movie, the pandemic, it's pretty good. And it lays a lot of things out there as far as like, there's a big picture to this, not just, you know, and that's unfortunate because I want to be like, yeah. Everyone just wants to take care of everybody. That's why we're doing this. And I'm like, that's not actually right. how this is really going. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's it, you put yourself in a tough scenario to try to explain that to somebody who may, you know, their mind is already made up. They're like, this is the worst thing ever. You know, and honestly, to some, I get that. Maybe they had a couple family members that passed away. Sure. You know, and, you know, and it, honey, what do you say to that? I don't discount it at all. Right. You know, you know it's like, dude, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I feel terrible for for you and I hope you the best and pray for you, whatever, sure. you know? And anyway, yeah, it's tough. But you know, I like, I, I want, I, I want to make something clear. I'm not anti vaccine at all. I'm, I'm anti mandate. You know, yeah. the group that, the group that I, that I co-founded is we're anti mandate. You know, I don't believe that a person should be forced to do anything to their body that they don't wish to, you know, this is, this is a pretty serious, um, medical experiment that they're demanding that we, that we partake in. I'm not, I mean, I mean, just what, 60 years ago, we had the Nuremberg trials, right? Right. right? We put all the Nazis on trial, Nazi doctors, right? Nazi doctors we put on trial. Right, not the scientists. And, we hired them at NASA. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Another rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, I'll like, gladly go down like to. Paperclip, you baby. Know, it was the Operation real. Paperclip, Happen- man. Um, but, they put the they put the doctors on trial, right? Right, and you know, it, and again, for whatever reason, I, I I love quotes, you know. But there's a, there's a quote out there that says, you know, for the greater good, the term for the greater good is always been the alibi of tyrants, right? And that's and that's what's happening, you know. When you're saying that this is for the greater good of mankind, well, if you're taking if you're going to take away from me, it is not the greater good, not for me, not for mine. Right. right. We deserve choice in our lives. Our, 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 our rights as, as humans, right. In, if you believe in a deity, that's, that's incredible, but our, our, we have God given rights. Our rights do not come from the government. The government was put into place to protect our God given rights. Right. Right. And, you know, in, in, but somewhere, somewhere in the last hundred years, 
you know, ever since, uh, say, 1913, the sinking of the Titanic, you know, somewhere around there. But once the, once the Rockefeller methodology came into modern medicine, we took away the holistic approach, right? It's the whole do no harm. That's just a crock of shit, right? Because uh, a patient cured is a patient lost. So to create something that, that, that keeps society perpetually sick is just creating more money for them. Yeah. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, in order to take steps forward in like medical science breakthroughs, it is a risk versus gain. You know what I mean? The only way to find out if things work is to do the trial studies. And that's what one of the doctors said. Right. But the craziest part about this is, is that it seems like it's quite a big study, right? If they're making, they're trying to get the world essentially to take it. Well, these vaccine trials right. aren't, aren't slated to end until 2023. So right now we are participating in the world's largest vaccine trial, yeah. right? We're in phase three of every vaccine trial. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, it's just, uh, it's crazy in my opinion. Like, I feel like it's, it's kind of nuts, but sure. You know, and then at the end of the day, like I, I feel very similar, uh, like how you say it. It's like, I'm not anti-vax at all. In fact, my kids just got not the COVID vaccine, but you know, they're, their shots and all that stuff. Like, I, I believe that there is a, a reason for a lot of this stuff. But when it comes to this scenario and how this has been unveiled and the limited time frame, time work, and everything with it, you know, again, do what you want to do. Right. You know, and if you feel comfortable in that, that is your risk assessment in your own life. And I respect that. Your, you know? your fear should not ever trump my freedom. Right. Fact. Right. <laughs> there we go. But <laughs> like but that. but that's true. Yeah. Right? You know, where 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 else in the course of human history has number 1 the elder generation willfully sacrificed the health of the younger generation? Did I say older first? Yes. Yeah. So the older generation sacrifices the health of the younger generation for what? So that they can protect their own, right? I mean, that is incredibly selfish. Yeah. Right? You, you know, I mean, this is like are we living in end times or what, you know, because when, when tolerance and apathy, right. Those are the, those are the last virtues of a dying society. We are totally in, you know, we're tolerating a lot and we don't give a shit about a lot too. Right. Yeah. And, and we're letting, we're letting our civil liberties be robbed of us. Right. Like, I mean, right now it's like George Carlin used to say, you know, you know, your, your rights as a citizen, they can be taken away anytime they want, you know, Right. And, um, and that's what they're trying, you know, especially we're seeing in Sacramento, I'm jumping all over the place. No, Stop me. A, you know, it's all good. Dude. Um, this is a, there's a, okay. First of all, there's a, they <laughs> use the word unpack. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, no, it, it's just, it's one of those things where you steer know, the ship, man, steer the ship. No, it's all good. <laughs> I actually wanted to, I wanted to ask you about the uh, organization that you started. Uh, yeah. So, um, thank you for asking. Uh, after, after the uh, the ordinance was passed by by the uh, um, LA LA city, um, myself and uh, three other individuals got together. One of them was actually my supervisor, and then a, a, a husband and wife team. Uh, you know, they were um, they were sworn officers as well. So we got together, and because we saw what a lot of people were doing, a lot of people were saying, "Well, oh, okay, well." let's go ahead and submit religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you are of a religious faith, I wholeheartedly support that. 
But for me, I saw in, in the other, the other members of my, of my uh, group saw this as something that's greater than just religion, right? We saw this as, as a, as a total governmental overreach, uh, trampling upon our constitutional rights. And I personally, uh, refused to submit a, a, a religious exemption based on the grounds that I, I won't give the, I won't be locked into, you know, um, a document, an official LAPD document that says, I believe X, Y, and Z. And at any time the LAPD can come back and challenge me on that. Right. And if I don't answer the same way that I wrote it down, well, you just plagiarize this and now you're fired. Not to mention, uh, for just talking with other people that have gone through that process with, uh, you know, filing for religious exemption, mm-hmm. That is a tremendously gray area. Absolutely. As far as your, because like you're going to sit down and what, talk with a couple of people about right. how religious are you? Be like, what does that conversation look but like? But I have issues with Title VII, which is what the religious exemption falls under. But for me, you know, I, 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 I won't submit a piece of paper to the department begging them to still allow me to work with conditions. Because at any point, that department, that city can say, well, now our conditions are changing. And so now you have to abide by this. Right. I saw that as something so great, you know, it is a complete trampling on our civil liberties and I would not do it. I won't mask, I won't test, and I won't submit a religious exemption. And that's how Roll Call for Freedom started. You know, we were just a couple of cops that said, you know what, this is wrong and this is why. And so we, we went out there and, you know, we, we got as much support as we could from the department um, you know, the department has 10,000 officers, right? The city of LA itself has 57,000 employees. Um, a lot of the department chose to get vaccinated, which is their choice. A lot of them chose to do religious exemptions, which is their choice as well. Right. You know, my biggest, my biggest belief is that it should be your choice. Yeah. It has to be your choice, right? We have to, we have to have informed consent, right? Because where there is risk there, you know, there must be consent, right? If one of the, if, if, if I have the pot, if there is a possibility of me dying from getting this experimental MRNA technology injected into my body, I will not do it because I'm informed of it and I won't participate. You know what I mean? So that's where Roll Call for Freedom started is, and now it's grown. Um, You know, we just ended up filing um, after seven months. We we went through several uh, law firms um, to finally settle on one that that really saw us eye to eye. And so we just filed on March 15th. Um, We have 100 plaintiffs uh, and we filed a suit against the city. Yeah, yeah, good. Good for you guys. I, I wish you nothing but luck with that. Yeah, I, I mean, where you. where one succeeds, everyone does, right? Yeah. We are so, you know, I, I really believe in this because, I mean, precedent needs to be set. And so much information has come out over the last seven months that you have to, you have to acknowledge it. You know, when, when Pfizer, you know, one of the three major companies who's also been responsible for the largest payout in history for medical, you know, basically medical malpractice of like $2.3 billion for doing what? For buying off doctors, for lying about medications, right? Mm -hmm. If they, you know, they suddenly don't want to release the the findings of their studies for 50, what is it, 55 years or 75 years? They tried to do 75. Right. And I think it's still, there hasn't been a a date set yet. Right. But I mean, that doesn't sound shady to you? 
right? Uh, yes, it sounds incredibly shady. Right. And that's that's the. So, but again, that that just that statement in itself, depending on what you know, where you get your news from, you probably didn't know that that even was a thing. Right. Because if I told you, is like, hey, I you know, like I did some, you know, if, actually that was a bad example. But in that case, right? If someone who has information about at least initial, whether it's um, you know, reactions from the medication you know, from the vaccine. And even if it's a lower number, right? Let's say it's a lower number. Like, let's say it was something that even the public might go, okay, risk versus gain. And the people agreed with it. The company tried to file to say, hey, let's let's make sure no one can see this for 75 well, yeah. years. Because what we know now, at least in society, is that most people are going to forget next week, Yeah, right? I yeah. mean, we are on a very short-term memory. I mean, shit, the day before the Oscars, that finally... People acknowledge that this Hunter Biden laptop thing is an actual thing. Right. 526 and, days later. Right. Yeah. 520, exactly. 526 days later, you have mainstream media actually talking about it. And then you have the Grammys and then you have the infamous smack. Right. The smack heard around the world. And what did you hear the next morning? Uh, nothing about Hunter Biden. No. <laughs> and look, I'm not, and I'm not talking about the Hunter Biden like likes to party and do drugs and bang prostitutes. I could give a shit about that. My, my problem with that is that it's like, okay, well, there's actually something here talking about foreign influence when his dad was the VP, and right. then all of a sudden their family comes into millions and millions and millions of dollars in a three-year stretch. Right, it was $16 million, I think, over the course of that. $16 million over yeah. three years, and they were making 390000 a year. Right. <sighs> anyway, but the night before... <laughs> You've heard this before, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but, the night, but the night before, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It was, like, it was like, okay, something happened. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, they're actually talking about it. I was like, a year ago, if I said this right now, people would be like, that guy is a crazy right-wing conspiracist. Right. Take him off. Right. Right? And now, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit. It's happening. Right. It's fucking on TV. They're talking about it, you it's know? It's happening. It's happening, yeah. <laughs> and then Will Smith smacks Craig's Rock, and now all we want to talk about is Will Smith and his... Well, now we're talking about alopecia, right? Alopecia I'm medication. I'm losing my hair, so I have, you know, I feel the Oscars you, brought to you. The Oscars brought to you by Pfizer-BioNTech. Okay, there <laughs> you go. Who happened to release the results of their phase three alopecia medication. Right, exactly. That night. Mm -hmm. How crazy... Look... I get it. I'm going to sound nuts, and I'm okay with that. And when people say that, I'm like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'd be like, listen, I'm not, I, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. What I'm a conspiracy all, realist. What I am. They're all coming true, though. Right. We're okay. Right. I need new ones. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I need new ones. That's, I'm like, look, I'll go back to the alien stuff, okay? Right. You know, I was like, that one, yeah, then I'll be like the outsider and be like, oh, you know, I'm like, hey, don't do that, you right. know, just in case. 5G. Hey, dinosaurs never existed, by the way. Oh, okay. there we go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but it's just the. Uh, Actually, I was having this exact conversation with my wife the other night, and uh, she's just like, Jordan, come on. Like, is it always that coincidental? Always? And I'm like, I don't know. Is it? How come it always seems to line up? And I look, the world is a crazy place. Shit happens all the time. All the time. But it sure is interesting when things align. Well, yeah, like that. and it happens a lot. I don't believe in, 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 uh, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. You know, there are no coincidences, coincidences, you know, and I do for every day. I feel like that meme of Charlie day with the, with the, with the, <laughs> like, you know, you know the, <laughs> this is what I feel like every single day. It's the best meme. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Meme, I, you know, it but that's how I feel every day, you know, and, and, and my friends are just looking at me like, you know, 
like a monkey that just took a dump on the on the floor and scratching his like what you know yeah you're like okay I'm gonna start slow yeah you know this is where we're gonna begin and right. it's a little crazy here for about 20 minutes no but you know what and that's the thing right is that it's I feel like in society we are quick to analyze make judgment and then step on and keep moving forward you know unless it comes to COVID because then it, you know well you know I think I think. <laughs> I think in the last couple of years, if we've learned anything, it's been to investigate for ourselves. Right. You know, and, um, I, and that's what the last few years has taught me. You know, I, I'm, I rely on nobody else but myself on my own, my own intellect. You know, like, can I make this judgment? What, you know, can I look at all, all angles? Yeah. You know, and um, that's, been the, that's, the been, that's been the greatest gift of the last couple of years for me. I would agree with that. I would say, and hopefully that's encouraging for people, you know, to hear, because I know there's a lot of people that are like that too. And I think like for a lot of people, they're just tired of the same old BS and there is a lot of opportunity to do your own research and things. And I would encourage everyone to do so. We we literally have the, the world's most powerful encyclopedia in our, in the palm of our hand, but yet we just scroll on it, you know, Although this isn't an iPhone, though, so it's the second most powerful. Oh, is that the Obama phone? Is that what that is? Oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> you know? Those were Androids, not Samsungs. Right. Okay? <laughs> you know, uh, so, okay, just real quick. You're the, the organization, the Roll Call Roll Freedom? Call. It's the Roll Call, the number four Freedom. Yeah. Roll Call, number four. Now, how would uh, anyone listening, how would we, like, find that on instagram facebook you have our own web page we have our own web page yeah it's uh like i said roll call the number four freedom.com uh we also have instagram uh <laughs> i'm we're so incredibly shadow banned on instagram that i had to create a, a you know obviously a backup account so we have roll call for freedom as our main account and then roll call for freedom 2.0 okay um and then you know we also have a give send go um where people can donate to our cause and, and we don't take a dime from any of this. All of this goes to pay for our attorneys, which yeah. is, it, it's a substantial fee. Absolutely. Um, that stuff ain't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. And now, now getting, sorry, we were, t- we've gone all over the place yeah. here, but most important of you being on here tonight, I can say tonight, right? And then let's say anyway, uh, you are running for assembly. Right. Yeah. All right, dude. Yeah. Bang, bang. Dude, that's awesome. So a couple quick things. If you can just describe what it means to run for assembly and what exactly is you do and how you got started with that. Uh, so the state assembly is basically the lower house of, of, of the state house. You know, you have the assembly members and then you have the state senators. You know, assembly members, pretty much the same role as a senator. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're making, you're crafting laws and, and, and your bills will be through committee and then it'll be passed within the assembly and then they'll move up to the Senate for approval, which then, uh, if, if your bill, uh, passes Senate approval, it then goes on to the governor's desk. So, you know, in, in speaking, uh, for the last seven months at, at rallies, you know, I've been trying to really, um, get people engaged, right? Thank God for the moms of this, of this country, of this state, because they have been doing such incredible work, you know, thank God for, you know, my, my, my partner, uh, the, the other co-founder Angelica, because she has been doing so much work. I mean, such a brilliant woman. Uh, but I've been trying to get more people involved in, in, because I don't know, you know, for, for, for a lot of this, it's, it's like, it, it's, if you remember, you know, like 
high school projects. You know, you got the geeks that do all the work, and then the you know the the football star comes in. And he's like, yeah, there's my signature. Nice, right? Like, you know, yeah. People people want the result, but they don't want to they don't want to do the work that's needed to get the result. And so I've been trying to get people involved. You know, get out there. If you don't like your form of government, change it. Right. That is that is that is the essence of liberty. Right. In our government, if we don't like it, we can change it. And people don't realize that. We have the, you know, the power of the people is greater than the people in power, right? And so I kind of took that to heart. Sorry. Good quote. <laughs> you know, I took, that, I took that to heart because, you know, I've gone through five days so far of my Board of Rights. Um, you know, I've testified for five and a half hours alone, and I have been put through the ringer, and it has cost me everything, you know, and I keep trying to get people involved to change, change the narrative. And so, um, the last day that I went, I thought I was going to get, I thought it was going to be it. I thought I was going to get fired. Right. Um, you know, I got put off to another day at the end of April, but I had said to myself, like, well, I need to have another plan because I, I still operate under the, I, you know, winners don't have a plan B, right? And that's how, I, that's how I'm approaching this, this board of rights. Winners don't have a plan B. I'm going to win this, right? I'm going to set precedent and, and I'm going to go back to work, right? Yeah. That's like a big F you to everybody, right? right? And I'm doing what I'm doing. Roll Call for Freedom is doing what we're doing for the protection of everyone, for everyone's rights, for everyone's civil liberties. We're standing up, right? Because you took an oath as well, right? We don't just, you know, you know I, I hate the term, but the sheepdog, right? We're protecting the flock, right? And that's what we want to get. That's what we want to get across. So I, I was thinking to myself like, well, I've got to step up because my words have to match my actions, right? And if I'm telling people to get involved, I need to do something myself. So, you know, one late Sunday night, I'm sitting there mulling it over. I haven't slept well in like five months. You know, it's, it's been crazy. But I said, you know, I finally came, I was wrestling with the decision. Like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And finally I just said, you know, fuck it. Yeah, I do. You know, because I need to leave. A, I need, and I'm all full of quotes, but you know, I keep saying that, um, you know, I'm taking a stand right now so that I can leave a country for my children where they'll still be able to. Right. And, and, and that's really important for me. You know, those two, those two kids are the most important thing in my life. And I need to be a man where they can model their own lives after where they can look up to me and said, you know what, 2022, my dad, he did this for us. Right. And I think it's important in all of our lives. Any, all of us who have children, this is the most, this is the greatest gift that we have is protect our kids. Right. And if, and if the people out there who are, you know, who are bitching and screaming, uh, you know, oh, we need to do this for our children, but you can't get off your ass. Where are you? Right? Yeah. You know, and thank God for the moms. Really. Thank God for moms because they are kicking ass out there and they are making a difference. But I said to myself, like, I need to do something. So I, I decided, I I looked up who's, who's up for reelection. Unfortunately, the state Senator out in my area is not, he's not up for another two years, but the, (laughs) <laughs> the lifelong Democrat politician in my area, um, he's up for re-election. You know, he's been in politics since he was 28, and this guy's in his like mid 50s, early 60s, and he's been a he's been a politician his entire lives. And and I'm not a politician. I'm just a pissed off dad, 
I'm a, I'm a cop, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm in this to make a difference. I'm in this to protect people because again, I abide by my oaths, you know, foreign and domestic, right? Right. And so that's why I felt the need that I had to step up and do something and put my name to something that I want to make a change. And, you know, if I can do my small part, that's what I'm going to do. Well, uh, dude, first of all, I commend you and your actions. Uh, just, you know, going over everything for the last hour. I mean, Has it been? you know, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I normally get the feel right around that. No, but uh, it's it, it all boils down to it's really easy to talk about stuff. It's really easy. And I'm like, we all do it. Right. You know, whether you do it at work, you do it at home, whatever. And there's a lot of great ideas that flow around. And, you know, the hard part is getting those things to stick and right. to move. Like how Because at the end of the day, it's like, how do we really change it? The only way to is to do the shit that you're doing. You can never you change if you, if you stay within your comfort zone. Right. You know? which, is, which is hard for a lot of people, including myself. Like I'll sit here and be like, yeah, I'm championing the shit out of you. Yeah, but you guys like, have this I'm great not. show. Well, th- this is our part of right? being able to get, you know, people like yourself and others out there to, to, to speak your truths and what you want to see and how you want to change it. And I think the most interesting part, at least for the timeline of how messed up a lot of things are right now, the uniqueness is, is that your situation makes you stand out. Yeah. And that 28-year lifetime assemblyman who's won over and over and over and over and probably hasn't done shit. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, because you could say that about most most uh, politicians is when you say, oh, they've been in... They've been, They've been in that position for how long? 20 years running? You know, what fucking no one's fixing my potholes. No one's doing, you know what I mean? It's like, where is all this money that I pay out of my check willingly? You know, it doesn't ever get represented, you know, to at least anything in my general direction, you know, and not that that's what it has to be. But what I'm saying is that now we've reached this point in society where I think that's the outliers stand out. And now you go up against this long term, you know, probably slick politician. Right. And it's groomed and knows how to talk in front of people and knows how to say right key verbiage when he needs to say it. And probably has a lot of people that are going to vote for, or would think to vote for him just because oh, he's been he's been the guy for the last 10 years. Right. Shit, we're going to go with him. But it's guys like you or gals like you that come out there and they're like, look, I am a fucking normal person. I work my ass off. I, you know, whether you have a family or not, whatever. But hey, this community is important to me. Exactly. And I want to do everything that I can to one, make sure everyone is, you know, as safe as they can be or has the opportunity to do what they want to do. And, you know, we can be productive in society together. Right. And then I think when you get people that come out there that are like, you're like, oh shit, this guy has been a police officer, you know, got a couple kids, whatever the case is. And, you know, listening to you talk, you're like, dude, this seems like a guy to be having a beer with. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, okay, all right, now we're moving somewhere. Because I'll be honest with you, I hear most politicians talk, I think, what's this guy trying to get from me? What's this gal trying to convince me of that I should think a certain way about something? I don't trust it. You know, and you should a little bit of my conspiratorial. Well, no, yeah, but me, you but. shouldn't trust politicians, and that's why you know I'm adamant about that I'm not a politician. But you know, I'm smart enough to say I don't have all the answers, but I'm also humble enough to go in and search for one. Right, right, because we weren't meant to be professional politicians. The framers of the Constitution didn't set up that way. Right, right? they were farmers who would come to Washington, do their business, and return right, right back to their farms. That's how the framers of the Constitution intended it to be—a exactly. government for the people, by the people, and of the people, right? Right. 
And, and these guys up in Sacramento, these guys in Washington, they've sold their souls to special interest groups, you know, to uh, buy yeah. to pharmaceutical <laughs> companies, right? <laughs> I mean, can you, imagine, can you imagine if Congress, if you had to list all of the, uh, all of the, you know, the beneficiaries of, of, of this, it would look like a NASCAR uniform, you know? I wish they would do that. Right. Because at least we could see who they're getting paid the most by. Of course. You know, it would just be like Nancy Pelosi in a Pfizer uniform. Exactly. Like just all Pfizer. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they won this year. Their guys are giving me <laughs> 16 million. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it is crazy, and I and I, I don't think like so. I don't. It's not that I don't trust every politician. I just don't believe everything that they say. Right. And I feel like they like the the standard politician. This is both ends of the spectrum. This is not unique to any side. Is that they know what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. They know it. They know who they're preaching to. They know who they're they're talking to. And if they say something about either rights or they say something about whatever, that they know that that target audience is going to go, yes, at least they're still talking about it. Maybe something will change. Right. But that's the problem, is that nothing really changes. It's just more bureaucracy and, hey, we're going to get 16 more million for the schools or for this one school. Right. Well, if you go to that school, you're like, hey, we got all new pencil sharpeners, which they don't use those anymore. But you know what I mean? Like, right? I think everyone's iPad now. I don't, I don't Pretty know. much. My kids aren't in school yet. But, um, but you know, it's like you want, to, you, want, you want to believe them, but I feel like they're just full of shit 99% of the time. Yeah. So at least... At least there is an opportunity to shake things up. Yeah. And that's by getting not career politicians in there. And I'm not saying you just hire Joe Schmo off the street with no background, right? You still want smart people in those positions, or at least people that you can be like, you know what, I believe this guy is going to, you know, whatever your, um, you know, whatever your, uh, I don't want to say slogan, but what you're what running platform. on, your platform you're sure. running on, you'll at least abide by that. Right. You know, because it's like, what else do you got to lose? You know, you're like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I think we should go. And I feel like there's a large amount of people out there that would agree with me. Let's do this. Yeah. And, and I think 2020, going to November of 2022, this is the the election in California is the most important election not only for governor and especially secretary of state, right? Because that because that 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 controls the election integrity. But I think all, all you know down ticket, we really need to examine who's running for office because where California goes, you know the adage, so does the rest of the country. Yeah. And when we have politicians like Scott Weiner and Richard Pan and Evan Lowe and and that whole that whole clique, I mean they are forcing through these bills so fast. And, you know, when you get to, you know, things like uh, SB 1464, which directly affects law enforcement, right? It says, you know, law enforcement shall, shall enforce the, um, (laughs) shall enforce, you know, any, any, any uh, health order, right? Mm -hmm. So if Barbara Ferrer in Los Angeles County says, you know what, cases are rising again, I want everyone masked. And if you go into a restaurant without a mask, they're going to expect the LAPD to come in and arrest you, right? It makes Barbara Ferrer essentially a de facto police chief, right? And if Michael Moore or Sheriff Villanueva or Chad Bianco or, you know, whomever else down here says, you know what, we're not going to enforce that. It's unconstitutional. Well, then that de facto police chief, you know, the health czar can say, well, we're going to withhold funds from you then. And we're going to re, re we're going to, you know, distribute those funds as we see fit. Well, that's going to change the minds of a lot of police chiefs, right? Yep. And I think that, again, 
the Charlie Day, you know, red string, 1464 is going to affect 871. It's going to affect all this other stuff because now they're passing stuff through committee where, you know, the kids are going to be, uh, you know, they want the kids to be COVID tested at all times. And it's just like, where is it going to stop? I don't, you know, the unfortunate side, I think when it comes to anything, when the government or when the political side of thing has the ball rolling, it's really hard to stop that ball. Especially and, in a super majority. Yes, absolutely. And even more so, like, you know, because I, I think with, uh, for the California Assembly, isn't it like, it's like 90 to 20 it's, as far as there's Democrats 80, to There's Republican? 80 seats and it's 60, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was 60 Democrats to 19 Republicans and one Independent. So typically, most things will get pushed through the yeah. assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but again, right? How do you stop it? You're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And so, so forty first district. Yeah, it's going to be assembly forty one uh, on Instagram right now. I'm at McMahon M C M A H O N underscore assembly forty one, and then my uh, my website is almost ready. Okay. Awesome. When uh, when is the uh, like when is the vote for this? So the primaries are June seventh. Um, because of redistricting, I actually have to run as a write-in. They they struck off two dozen names that I had submitted, oh, so I didn't qualify for the ballot. But you know, I'm under. I'm if it was important enough for me to run in the first place, it's still as important to run as a write-in candidate. And as far as I know, I'm I'm the only other uh, Republican contender. Oh, okay. Um, running against the Democratic incumbent. And the Democratic incumbent is the guy that you said that's been on for like... Yeah, he's been in politics since uh, I think he was about 28. What are the odds he'd want to come on here and do a debate with you? <laughs> I seriously doubt it. You How know, rad would he's, that be? He's one of the co-authors oh, oh, oh. Of, uh, of SB2, which is the, uh, the, the, the reimagining of policing. So that's a hard no that I'm assuming. Yeah. What a, that would be cool. Because I think that that would... Like, the, if those type of politicians had any, um, the old school term would be having the balls to do it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't know what you would say now. Just having the, the courage. Mm. There we go. That's a safe In a metaphysical sense. The metaphysical courage to come out and be able to talk about that on a, like, on a forum like this where you can have the debate with one-on-one. Look, we can be civil and we can talk about stuff, but I mean, I don't think that would ever happen because, you know, they wouldn't want to get caught in between and yeah. backtracking and whatnot. But, you know, but I feel like that would at least like if, if politicians would do stuff like that to like actually come on in like long form conversation, be able to debate something and talk about it, not just like a rehearsed 30 second cameo of what your stance is on a certain matter, you know, then then people might have the opportunity to really evaluate that candidate. Right. Because I feel like there's a lot of up and comers and people that are getting involved because of the situation that we've just dealt with over the last four years, you know, or three and a half years technically, I guess. Um, that I think there's, you know, then we really might actually affect a change in yeah. our country, or at least in our community at the local level. And it's also great too, because there's a lot of law enforcement actually running for office this year as well. Uh-huh. You know, there's myself, uh, there's Vincent Sai, who's an LASD deputy, and he's running for the Senate in the 22nd district. Uh, Brian Smith, who's an LASD deputy as well, and he's running for LA City, uh, I'm sorry, uh, LA County Board of Supervisors. And there's even Patrick Lee Gibson, who's again, another deputy, but he's running against Adam Schiff. So, oh. so law enforcement is really stepping up in the 2022 elections, you know, it, because we're, we're, we're just dads, right? We're dads that are just, we've had enough about what's happening and the fact that our, our choices are being taken away from us. So, you that, know, 
Who's the guy running against Adam Schiff? Uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Lee Gibson. Patrick Lee Gibson. G I P S O N. Okay. Good luck, dude. Please beat that guy. Yeah. That dude lied to everybody Everyone. for two years in a row. Got up said, today we got a new smoking gun. The president's got collusion with. Literally came out within the last year that all of that is an absolute lie, and that guy didn't say a damn thing. Well, I mean, the the Clinton campaign in the in the DNC just got fined what like one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for the for the um, the dossier. Yeah, and I also think that Trump's like. I think he was trying to take them all to court. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he sued uh, them all. Yeah, so it's yeah. It, the process has begun, mm-hmm. which will be very interesting just from, you know, just from outside perspective, just right. to see what happens. But uh, no, um, honestly, man, thank you so much for coming on. I and appreciate it. It's, it's a, it's I feel an like honor. we could we could go on, dude, in the conspiratorial yeah. side and yeah. we could go rabbit hole and talk for the next four hours. So, you know, maybe uh, when awesome. we... That is for you, sir. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, Love the we, challenge coins. Maybe uh, thank you guys. Either after the election or you know whatever happens, maybe we can we can get like a little bit of a follow up and, yeah. and see how you're doing, or at least be able to game plan and talk about what you want to change. Yeah. Because uh, again, I know we kind of jumped around for a little bit, but again, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate and, it. Thank you so much. Absolutely, dude. I wish you the thank best you. of luck and anything we can do to help support you and uh, you know get you in that seat, man. Yeah. You know, well, most importantly, I hope you get back on the floor. Really. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I like I said, I still have a really great passion, and it's been uh, it's been the best experience of my life is serving the the citizens of Los Angeles, and I hope I can continue. Well, I hope people when they go to vote for uh, the District Forty One for Assembly, they remember what you're saying because I know we all appreciate it. Yeah. Well, well, hey, Mike. Also on that challenge coin, you like um, you like quotes. We have a Mark Twain quote on there. Two most important days of your life. Exactly. The day you're born, the day you find out why. Yeah. I think you found your why, brother. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I keep I keep going there just to wrap it up, there's a Confucius quote that I like too. You know, a man that wants to move a mountain must first start with the smallest stones. Right? And that's that's what we're doing, right? We're we're trying to change California by moving the small stones. Yeah. One stone at a time, dude. Right. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's get a uh, let's go on three here. Ready? One, two, three. Let's, let's go. go. All right, bye everybody. And that's it. Thank you for listening in, everybody. We'd like to thank our sound engineer who makes this podcast happen and makes us sound very good, Stephen Clark. And to our first sponsor, 8-9 Barbers. Look good, feel good, be great. Come get your haircut at two locations, Long Beach and in Orange, California. Your appointment can be booked at 8-9Barbers.com. That is E-I-G-H-T-N-I-N-E-B-A-B, excuse me, B-A-R-B-R-E-R-S. 8-9Barbers.com. Again, look good, feel good, be great. Check it out. It's my barber. He is the man. Thanks, everybody. Bye.